Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast from a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Oh, shit! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, got beer envy. Yeah, one of those days, Adam. You know what? I'm going to let you talk and kill time. I'm running upstairs. I'm getting me a beer. <laughs> Stall him, Ben. <laughs> our, uh, our producer, and uh, for this show, we do not have a producer, but our producer is making the stretch taffy, stretch taffy, as I, uh, as I sit here and vamp, buying Adam all the time he needs to go upstairs and get himself an ice-cold beer. Beer, the official drink of the greatest generation. Are you back, Adam? Indeed. <laughs> How was that conversation you had with our viewers without me? Pretty personal. Didn't uh, I didn't let too much slip. Um, you were talking about me, weren't you? <laughs> I was talking about beer mostly. <laughs> I read. Uh, I, don't, I try not to read the comments, Adam. But I, uh, I was reading uh, somebody saying that uh, it's pretty clear to them that Deep Space Nine is not a show that we love as much as TNG. And uh, I'll cop to that. Has that been made clear? I, I want it to be good. I, I do too. I, I think what I'm copping to is the fact that like TNG is like. Is is like mainline nostalgia for me. It is like putting nostalgia directly into my veins. Yeah, and there's some parts of Deep Space Nine that I really love and uh, remember fondly. But it just it's just not the it's not the series I was weaned on. So I have a different uh, a different relationship with it. I mean, you know, like a lot of comments that aren't intended to make the hosts feel bad, and yet. <laughs> And yet, unfortunately, do. Like, I feel a little bad to hear that because I feel like I'm putting in the energy into the show of someone who loves the show. Uh, Yeah. I I would wonder what exactly about what we're doing here would indicate that we we don't love it. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, at this point... And maybe, maybe into the future, I may not like Deep Space Nine as much as Next Gen. That doesn't mean I hate Deep Space Nine. These motherfuckers made an amazing podcast about TNG only to trick me into watching their Deep Space Nine podcast and ruining it for me. <laughs> the podcast about Deep Space Nine is a war crime. <laughs> Who is paying for this? They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> the Grove is a much better ball. <laughs> the parking structure at the Grove show you when a space is empty, but at Americana, there are no lights above the spaces. Those people that wait and wait for someone to leave their parking stall is a thought crime. <laughs> Just go up to the next level. <laughs> My Peugeot can park in a motorcycle spot. <laughs> 
I would not trust these people to clean my Citroën on the third floor where the car wash is. <laughs> you know, I find that voice more difficult to do than Cosby <laughs> on, the, on the throat. That's a real clinch. <laughs> uh, maybe those characters are, characters will meet one day, but not today, Adam. <laughs> No, certainly not. Instead, we're introduced to another strange-voiced character. What do you say we get into Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 10, Ben? The Nagus. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. So we get a open that is... A uh, a, a creepy Ferengi creeping around... And uh, a character of another alien race that I will call Erzatz Mr. Hum. <laughs> and uh, and then like a hooded character with a uh, with a pretty blingy walking stick. And uh, and they're just creeping at the at the at the beginning of this app. An unfortunate leitmotif being that uh, people wearing hoods frequently end up being bad characters on this show. This scoliosis-addled hooded person <laughs> would foreshadow such a theme. The Ferengi at the top of his walking stick does not look terribly dissimilar from uh, Mel Brooks's character Yogurt in Spaceballs. <laughs> Merchandising. They look so similar that it makes me feel like they're they're sending a message with this. Like they're they're <laughs> winking back at Mel Brooks. Like I see you, Mel Brooks. <laughs> We're big fans over here at Team Deep Space Nine. We're willing to make a silly alien character as well. It looked so much like Yogurt that I was like, did Yogurt also have a cane that had his head at the top of it? I am positive you will correct me about this, Ben, because you are you're the more <laughs> learned host on this show than me. But What the F are you talking about? Isn't there like a, a Da Vinci thing about like where the eyes are in the face? A lot of people, until they draw a human face, aren't aware that the eyes are in the dead center of the head. Like, right? It's like it's a like a cognitive bias illusion where you're right. so focused on facial features that they seem disproportionately large on the face. But if you actually like put a grid over a face, the eyes are right in the middle. Right. And the thing about this cane topper is that uh, this is this is a person who has chiseled a face who is not aware of this grid. Yeah, this is sort of like outsider art, sort of intentionally ignorant art, art that isn't predicated on years and years in the academy studying things like anatomy, Adam. This is like, this is folk art. This is beautiful. <laughs> this is this is from the people. When you were little and you started drawing, like with crayons and whatnot, <laughs> like, were your depictions of people just heads with arms and legs? I know mine were. Uh, heads, arms, and legs, and then really big ears. Yeah, yeah, totally. Always big ears on my on my uh, on my childhood drawings. Yeah, that's a thing that's fairly commonplace. Some some friends of ours with kids are are doing the drawings. They're at that drawing stage right now. Yeah, uh, that has not changed from generation <laughs> oh, <good>. to generation. <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better. Do they do the thing where the ground is like a line along the bottom yeah. of the page? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great picks. Yeah. I'm good like stuff. that's why I that's why I praise the the artwork so much. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just the way I did it. <laughs> uh 
So the uh, the two storylines in this episode are A, Ferenki, B, Jake is being a teenager. So uh, the other thing that happens before our title sequence is Commander Sisko comes home and finds Jake kind of uh, fucking around in the apartment, getting ready to go to school. And Sisko's like, great news, dude. When you get back from school today... The two of us are going to Bejo for the start of the Gratitude Festival. And uh, Jake's like, cool. For how long? Three days. And Jake is not in. Jake doesn't seem to realize that he's going to see more Bajoran chicks at a Bajoran festival than he would hanging out waiting for ships to arrive. <laughs> right. What the hell, Jake? Yeah, man. Like, it, you got to take your parents up on that trip to Italy when you're 14. <laughs> it's going to be very formative. <laughs> Turning that down is a huge mistake. No shit. Like, there will be the discomfort of being, like, an adolescent that is still a child and therefore has to do what their mom and dad tell them to do, but there will be girls there. Yeah. Jake in this scene forgets to put on his shoes and he makes a big production out of it. Shoes. Uh, which made me think of something interesting, Ben. If you knew that you weren't going to go outside ever, wouldn't you just put on some slippers or, or forego the shoes altogether? If you lived on the station, I probably would. Oh, Adam. I have so much more self-respect than that. Garrick should be selling slippers and making a fortune. <laughs> like, the, whatever the croc equivalent is on Deep Space Nine, that's what he should be selling. That's a little on the nose for how much Cardassians look like crocs. Yeah, that's fair. So that's our, uh, that's our cold open, I guess. And, oh no, there's still a little bit more. Man, this... This sh- this episode has like five solid minutes of of cold open before the title sequence. Yeah. The other thing is we cut back to Quark's and Quark is like, you know, just kind of doing his normal slimy businessman stuff, trying to rob his customers, being a jerk to his brother Rom. You worthless tiny eared fool. I feel like we've seen Rom before now, but. Maybe he wasn't kind of, like, established as a character so much. Yeah, he's really all up in it in this episode. To the degree that he will, like, pop into frame and then withdraw (laughs) from frame in a very cartoonish fashion. Ben, do you get Al Swearingen vibes from Quark? As a base of operations, you cannot beat a fucking saloon. Because I kind of do. Like, I'm hearing cocksuckers that aren't being said. Cocksuckers. There's like a carriage about him that is very Swearingen from Deadwood. <laughs> you know I never watched uh, Deadwood, Adam. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, uh, great show. Sorry you missed it, Ben. <laughs> Me too, Adam. The relationship that is established is that Quark uh, really doesn't think much of Rom and dumps on Rom but also uh, Rom, like, passes those dumps along to his son Nog. The dump flows downhill. (laughs) It sure does. (laughs) So the Nagus arrives at Quark's bar, pulls down his hood, and reveals, like, the oldest, droopiest, hairiest ears. Like, what could only be a testicular analogy, right? <laughs> like, good lord. Like, ugh. I, like, I expect to see him in, uh, in the locker room of my gym uh, blow-drying his head. <laughs> yeah. He needs, he needs like, a, an, 
a, an extra beefy comb to get the tangles out of that ear hair. Ugh. Yeah, it is just a, a, a thick thatch. Real gross. Zach is played uh, by the by the wonderful Wallace Shawn and uh, doesn't say anything in this scene. Is the Grand Nagus here on business or pleasure? Is there a difference? No, of course not. It's almost implied that he's like communicating telepathically with his son who is arranging for a series of sex capades in the hollow suites for him. If your dad asked you, hey, go go buy me some pornographic magazines, make sure they know it's for me. <laughs> That's basically what's going on here, right? <laughs> a simple nod from the Nagus indicates that he wants to run five hollow sweet programs in succession. <laughs> One thing you know about the Nagus right away is that he has a fairly short refractory period, Ben. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Time to ramble on about something everyone knows. So we come back from title sequence, and uh, guess who's back, Adam? All right, let's settle down. Chief O'Brien, and uh, and he is substitute teaching for Keiko. Let's settle down. Keiko, who I guess is still back behind on Earth? Yeah. How are we deprived of that conversation? I don't know. Like, I, I wonder what the backstory is on Kalamini being out for so long. Like... I don't think Rosalind Chow was like a main cast character, but they probably had to pay Colomini for three episodes or whatever, right? You know what? This can be solved with research, but like, wasn't Con Air around this time? I know Colomini was in Con Air. Oh. Anytime the Con Air people give you a buzz, you got to take that job. He, he got a, a very important call from uh, from Simpson Bruckheimer and had to go. God. Uh who directed that movie? Do you know off the top of your head? I guess I don't. It's Simon West. <laughs> Jesus. It's a time when Simon West got a lot of work for Team Simpson Bruckheimer. You got your Antoine Fuqua, you got your Simon West. Who else was in that club? That prestigious late 90s Simpson Bruckheimer club. How about, uh, how about The Rock? Who directed that? Was that Michael... That was uh, Michael Bay. Michael Bay? Yeah, and, no And question. that was a Simpson-Bruckheimer, right? It was. I feel like every Simpson-Bruckheimer movie has the chase scene where they show the thing that the chase is about yeah. to destroy, and it's like either the wheelchair basketball team or the uh -huh. lady pushing the pram that winds up being full of cans. <laughs> I want to make a supercut of all of those. <laughs> Sean Connery escapes his haircut in the rock and goes down to the lobby of his hotel and he steals that uh, that steals that Ferrari and the German guy's like, Sie haben meine Ferrari gestolen! <laughs> <laughs> and begins that awesome chase in San Francisco. Like, like it's basically the bullet chase through San Francisco, complete it's, with trolley like, car ejection in midair. Yeah, the... There was somebody doing coke watching the bullet chase going, the problem with this chase scene is that they don't get a trolley off of, uh, uh, they don't get a cable car off of its track sliding down one of these big old hills. Hey, man. You just fucked up your Ferrari. Look, uh, aesthetically, that was very pleasing to me, Ben. I, I liked seeing a big sparky uh, car slide down a hill in San Francisco. It's great. So, so basically the upshot of Colomini teaching teaching class for his wife is that uh nod nog ropes jake into a an academic dishonesty scheme whereby 
Nog accuses Vulcans of having stolen his ethics essay, and Jake backs him up on it. If you're Nog, don't you have to come up with a different alien on the spot for, to be your patsy? Like, you're a Ferengi. Why don't you blame another Ferengi? That's totally believable to me. Instead, you're going to blame the Vulcans, who are like the the all-time uh, valedictorians of, yeah. of every school that they go to. Of all the species, they're the least likely to be homework thieves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I love the like idea of a Vulcan. Why would a Vulcan steal yeah. a Ferengi's homework? <laughs> Except hey. it's a joke. Hey, Savik, you see that pad over there? <laughs> I, I, I hear that 13-year-old Ferengi kid wrote a little essay about ethics. <laughs> what do you say we take it? That's what passes for comedy on our world. God, no kidding. They would laugh and laugh. Well, the Nagus uh, finishes up his fuck fest and is... Uh, is curious to to like kick it to Quark. He wants to have a pretty intense, high level business meeting here at the bar. He wants Quark to shut down so that they can uh, they can bring the captains of Ferengi industry around to uh, to have an important meeting. And and uh, this is pretty exciting for Quark. Quark is nothing if not a fun host, so he sort of relishes the idea. <laughs> he. Very generously offers the Nagus uh, uh, to stay in Rom's apartment <laughs> while he's on board the station. Does Deep Space Nine not have accommodations for heads of state who are visiting? I was just under the understanding that the station was mostly empty and therefore would have plenty of accommodations for people. It seems crazy. It's clear to me that Cork uh, just hates Rom. <laughs> and he's just fucking with him whenever possible. I get that, but like, what are the chances that Rom has a nice apartment? God, I don't know. I guess they go to uh, go to a private room at Shea Remick, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're talking things over, and uh, and and the Nagus is very complimentary of Quark's skills of a businessman. You've done very well for yourself, Quark, because. He has this bar that's on this space station that's next to this wormhole. And uh, the Ferengi see a big business opportunity here and uh, considers it a pretty shrewd move on Quark's part uh, to have started a bar that would one day be close to this place. A three-tiered Lazy Susan, Ben, is the laziest Susan, right? (laughs) (laughs) You really load that thing up. Yeah, it's a real dim sum of nightmares, but uh <laughs> if you're gonna fuck with the lazy Susan, I think you might as well get the tiered variety, right? Yeah. Well the, the Frankie were like uh they were looking around at three D chess and they were like, What could we make three dimensional? <laughs> I know. Susan's. In this scene, uh Nog is school shamed by the group. So he's like talking about having to leave the dinner to go do some homework. And everyone's like, Homework? the hell is that and nog's like well yeah i go to school it's sort of a thing that that the kids here do on the station and you allow your son to attend such a place what a joke that is and so rom's like yeah you're grounded kiddo go to your room and i better not catch you studying rom is a not 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 a guy that has the courage of his own convictions is he Ram is the dumb guy who chooses to homeschool his child, but he's not smart enough to teach him anything. <laughs> like sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Yeah. Like you, you know, ideally you want a, you want a parent to be motivated to make their child better than they ever were. Rom has no such motivations. Like Rom appears to be threatened by the idea that Nog would, would get an education. It's a type. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, sci-fi is about, about the present. <sighs> Nog and Jake have a falling out and they discuss... Nog's disappearance from school and he makes sort of an interesting case about why he's not there. For me, school is a waste of time. With Nog saying that like school doesn't make any sense to a Ferengi, like what he's sort of saying is that like there's nothing about his education right now that will serve him in the way that a Ferengi should be served. Because there's no profit in it. He would be better off in a trade school where he would learn the tools necessary to learn a a Ferengi life. But instead he's going to like the general purpose public school. Right. Keiko's not going to teach him auto shop in the promenade. (laughs) I think that 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 is sort of a weird thing though, because I mean, the Ferengis are supposed to be all about business and the smartest at business. It's what they're obsessed with. And you would think that like you could get an angle on other cultures by learning about them, you know? Yeah. Like, it's it's sort of the business equivalent of know thine enemy. If they were so good at business, you would also assume that they had a kind of self-awareness that would allow them to understand that they aren't that great at business. Yeah, the Frankies are just all guys that are like, well, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs dropped out of college, so... Like, who even needs it? Yeah, yeah, there's not even a debt component to this school. <laughs> yeah, it's just free. No. Like mana from heaven. The uh, the Ferengi get their big Hudsucker uh, boardroom meeting together. And uh, Grand Negasek is uh, making a big speech about what a big opportunity the Gamma Quadrant represents. Because the Ferengi have had their reputation unfairly tarnished in the alpha quadrant as uh as you know untrustworthy shysters essentially and uh he thinks it's going to be awesome for them to go into the gamma quadrant with uh with no reputation at all and uh become captains of industry anew make ferenginar great again it's basically his angle everyone's super pumped about this clean slate the Nagus does a kind of Tony Robbins-esque Unleash the Greed Within seminar <laughs> in Cork's Bar. The potential for Ferengi business expansion is staggering. It's very exciting. The The meeting is kind of like whipped up into a frenzy and everybody is so pumped and they're like, they're like, come on, Nagus, lay it on us. Who is going to lead this great, great future for us? The new Grand Nagus! And uh, everybody storms out. It's not a great feeling for Quark, right? Heavy lies the lampshade, Adam. He's sort of like the kid in the 80s movie who is elevated to prom king as a joke. I get nothing for heavy lies the lampshade. (laughs) Adam doesn't laugh at Ben enough. (laughs) Heavy lies the lampshade is great, Ben. Very, very funny. I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was worth something. 
<laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? I was just drawing the equivalent of of like that of almost like a carry moment, you know? <laughs> like Quark doesn't know that that he's in an election for prom king. Right. He doesn't even know that he's a, he's that there's a chance of this. Yeah. And that he is voted to be uh the next Nagus strikes everyone as a grave injustice. Not just a grave injustice, but like it's totally out of left field. Like Quark is a bar owner and all these other guys are are the heads of huge companies presumably. And right. it's also uncharacteristic of Ferengi to just pass a thing or title of value on without any strings attached. Sure. And that part kind of goes uninterrogated for a while. Like that's the thing that everybody should have noticed right at the beginning is like mm, this doesn't actually add up. As a right, thing. there's no suspicion about this at all. Instead, we almost immediately smash cut to Quark as Nagus and fully appreciating the the scepter and the cape and the hangers-on that comes with it. Like, he is loving it right now. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's blowing kisses to the to the babes on the promenade. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, the way he walks has really relaxed... You know, he's walking like a powerful man. Very strutty. Cisco finds Jake and the quarters eating the oatmeal of loneliness. Quaker oats. It's the right thing to do. (laughs) And Jake is uh, is really bummed out about the fight he had with Nog. He explains to Cisco, like, yeah, like, Nog got pulled out of school. Family doesn't see the point. And you know, like it seems like uh, it seems like culturally, our differences are are tearing us apart, even though we're good pals. Cisco sort of goes through the motions of feeling bad about this, but deep down, this is success. He does not want Jake hanging out with Nog. Right, and and like he's even getting this from the lowest ranked guy on his staff. Like O'Brien has even pulled pulled the commander aside and gone like, "Hey, uh, if I had a son." Your son's age, I would be keeping him clear of that little Ferengi. Man, I think you hear about it all the time. Like, a great way to start a fight with a parent <laughs> is to tell them how to parent. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, I don't want to tell you to ra- how to raise your kid, but uh, here's how I think you should raise your kid. Not great, but uh, Cisco takes it with aplomb, like, takes it as red. Like, yeah, I know, man. Nog is a real son of a bitch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know how 14-year-old boys are. You give them an ultimatum about their friends. Uh, they're going to choose the friends every time. And this is, like, a bit of wisdom that Cisco is spot on about. Like, you can't, you can't drop that on Jake. Jake's going to choose Nog. Yeah. Or, or definitely choose against his dad. Right. Like, he's, he's at exactly the right age for that sort of estrangement. Yeah, you got you to gotta play this with a little subtlety if you're, if you're Commander Cisco. O'Brien having just dropped an ultimatum on Keiko on Earth about how many more days to stay there for his <laughs> mother-in-law's birthday party is like ready to spread this advice around. Well, hey, it worked for me. I'm back on the station and I'm alone. <laughs> Did you see that video that someone put up of that episode where O'Brien rescues the green guy, you know, the guy who was hunted? And there's that moment where the green guy asks him if he wants to 
go be free with him uh-huh. and they do a rack into O'Brien's face <laughs> and it's a like fantasy scene that shows all the scenes that happened before of like O'Brien punching people in the face <laughs> and like going on adventures <laughs> and like crawling crawling through uh through ductwork and stuff it's really great that's really funny. like one of the great like minor throwaway lines that we did that get turned into a bit really fun oh that's great where was that uh, someone posted it to Twitter, oh, I think. Man. I liked it. I'd have, to, I'd have to dig it up. I missed it. Quirk is learning that Nagus is not the uh, not the easiest of jobs. He's got one guy telling him, like, hey, listen, there's a lot of people that want you dead because you got this job ahead of them, and I can protect you, but you got to give me cool business opportunities in the Gamma Quadrant as recompense. And uh, they're, like, having the Nagus's funeral wherein they auction off uh little hockey pucks full of green dust that i guess is his cremains i thought this was a great bit of alien character work yeah and the idea that that the ferengi would vacuum desiccate themselves and then sell pucks of their cremains i thought was like spot on that's great that's great and it's also really well it's really well established in the script with it's not like expositioned to death it's like it's just the thing that they are doing in the background it's the business of the scene and other right. stuff is happening in the foreground and somebody's like what the hell is going on here <laughs> uh i thought that was a really nice uh, bit of writing and uh quirk has asked rom to be his bodyguard and a lot is a lot is going on but he uh he bends over to pick up a coin that has has rolled around on the floor and a uh like a hunter killer drone flies across the bar and uh, narrowly misses his head as he stoops to pick the uh the coin up greed saves the day yeah he would save his own life by reaching down for some change <laughs> those things are super useful down at the laundromat on deep space nine you know One thing that I noticed in this episode that I hadn't really thought about in the ones that came before is like every time Rom and Quark are in the same scene and especially in the same frame, you really get a sense for how much more eye makeup Armin Schimmerman wears than anyone else. It really makes his eyes pop. And I think that goes for every other Ferengi that we see on the station or have seen. Quark is really unique in that way. Yeah, I mean, Quirk's unique in a lot of ways. He also is the rare Ferengi that doesn't have the lampshade. They put more work into his loaf than all of the other Ferengi loaf. Now, when you're applying your Ferengi eye makeup, (laughs) you're going to want to go for that very popular smoky eye look. (laughs) That's why I take a a round bristle brush, dip it into my powder, and apply a nice even strokes. We're using this cosmetic foam to blend the eye shade with the foundation so that it blends evenly and forms a nice illusion of depth and sparkle. Now, for some of your deeper eye wrinkles, you're going to want to load up a trowel with some drywall spackle. (laughs) We mix the compound up earlier in a five-gallon PVC bucket, and if it starts to dry out, just add water periodically throughout the day keep it malleable (laughs) i'm tom silva and this has been this old safari (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it's like the fun and games really cease when the when the 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 uh, attempted assassination happens, right? Yeah, I mean it's sort of like the fun and games cease, but not to the extreme that they should. Like, what has happened here is an explosive attack has been perpetrated in the public space on the station. Like this is this is something that grinds cities to a halt. You know, like. They should like the station should be on lockdown. It should be like a like you know a hard target search for for the perpetrators of this attack. Like Quark is the head of the Ferengi state. Under normal circumstances, people would be eating in the rainforest cafe where this thing went off. Like this could have killed a bunch of people, and it should have. And there should like there's no like depiction of panic or chaos ensuing after the explosion. It's just like. He like wakes up in in six bay and he's like, oh, uh, guess I survived. That's cool. They do a quick scan of the of the bomb site and they're like, yep, that's Ferengi. <laughs> so it's pretty clear at this point that like one of his own is after his head. Yeah, I mean, which makes sense, you know. The powerful have to uh, have to keep an eye on those closest to them. So Quark actually like has a pretty a pretty smart reaction to this which is he starts having godfather meetings with everybody where he grants the uh the requests of his of his ferengis he's not as cutthroat as i would have expected he's pretty magnanimous with his dealings like to the degree that he takes a 50 50 cut from some guy who's wanting to sell synthahol in the gamma quadrant <laughs> that seems pretty antithetical to to typical ferengi deal making right yeah well, yeah, but it's like it's shrewd because it's like it's making him popular, you know. Yeah, and if he gets a cut of everyone's work in the Gamma Quadrant, that's that's good for him. I guess he's going for quantity. Yeah. So he's uh, he's he's sitting there. He's going lululululu with his uh, little <laughs> char- with his little uh, puppet character. He's uh, he's passing out deals. He's like uh, the Emperor of Rome. Uh, in uh, in Gladiator, you know, he's like you know, like a, a month of of games and bacchanalias to to celebrate my ascension to power or whatever. Commence with the orgies. <laughs> Commence with the umaks. I know, I know, you're waiting for a bigger laugh from me, Ben, but I don't know what that is. I that, don't know what an umak is. Isn't that when uh, isn't that when they rub the 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 earloaf? Oh, Isn't that what oh! The- I didn't realize that had a name, and if it did, it didn't stick. There was some episode we just watched where somebody was using sex to get an advantage over Quark, and I think that they called it that. Right. Oh, yeah, Vash was umoxing. Vash was given Quark an ear jab. So if anyone cares, Cisco is deep in the B story, trying to figure out why Jake has been scared has been uh, skipping out on their dinner plans, right? Yeah. He's like uh he's like sitting there throwing the throwing the baseball against the wall and Dax comes over and is like, "Oh, Stu, don't mind if I do." Serves herself a big helping. She's like, "What's eating you?" And Cisco's like, "Jake's Jake's super late for dinner. Feel like we're really growing apart." Children need to know their boundaries. I should know. I've been a mother three times and a father twice. Why don't you go find him and uh, give him a talking to? That's what I would do. And so he does. He uh, f- he has the computer tell him where Jake is, which is like, I feel like I would have done that before half an hour had gone by. 
<laughs> you know, like if I had the power, like right here, right now, if if my wife trusted me enough to do find my friends on iOS with me so that I knew where she was, I would be like, okay, it's uh, about time to start making dinner. Let me just check to see if uh, my special lady is on her way. And uh, if she is, I'll get started. Food will be ready when she gets here, you know? It sure feels like an extreme amount of trust that Ben Sisko shows for the station, everyone on it, and everyone who's passing through the wormhole to assume that Jake wouldn't be the biggest target for kidnapping on the station, right? Right. The idea that he would be late for dinner would send a cold chill up my spine every time. Jake should have a detail. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, uh, Cisco goes down to the cargo bay, and the uh, the explanation for all of Jake's secrecy and and uh, unwillingness to spend time with his dad winds up being really touching. He's teaching his friend to read. In discovering this, Ben Cisco is able to deliver the ultimate punishment to Jake, which is an extended show of affection to him in public <laughs> that includes uh, all the hugs and kisses that Jake can handle. <laughs> sort of a lot to take in. More nurking than you require. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, of familial mistrust, Adam, <laughs> it is revealed that uh, the Negus's son, Crax, and Rom are the schemers behind the attempted Quark assassination. And uh, they try one more time to take Quark out by, uh, by closing him in an airlock. Sorry, Quark, but you've just been voted out of office. They're about to punch the button that blows him into space, and he's, he's doing his, his groveling for mercy one more time. And uh, out of the shadows comes Negus Zek, and it's like, don't do it, guys. This was all actually a big test. This was a uh, this is a test to see if Cracks has what it takes to run the Ferengi uh, Business Federation or whatever. And Cracks, uh, basically, you're a big disappointment to me as a father. <laughs> sort of an an emotionally opposite scene from the one we got with Jake and uh, and Ben. Yeah, sort of a, a tale of different fatherhoods. Right. Um, yeah, it makes me wonder what was in those pucks. Odo, in this scene, does that turn into goo and go under a locked door thing? <laughs> Odo's sort of unbeatable at limbo, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's like Pee Wee Herman level limbo skills. <laughs> he doesn't do it every episode, but I do love a shapeshift. Yeah, it's fun. All that shifting. I thought that uh, it was a bit facile in the in the script for Quark to be like, nice work, Rom. You really showed guts trying to kill me there. <laughs> like, all is forgiven because it was such a cutthroat business move, basically. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's safe. Game recognized game, Rom. I gotta watch my back around you. A guy who tried to kill me. You made one mistake, Mr. Potter. You're double-crossed me and you left me alive. If you're going to have the constant threat of death around, you better hope that your would-be assassin is as dumb as Rom. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's got to give him comfort, right? I guess so. I mean... <laughs> like, he's probably sleeping great. It's fucking Rom. Yeah. <laughs> give me a break. 
Ramis. He's he's mo- he's going to spend most of his days polishing those pipes. <laughs> well, Ben, did you like this episode? Uh, I kind of like this episode. I think that this episode uh, is the precursor to a lot of Ferengi nonsense episodes that I would mm. compare to the compulsory one a, one a season. Luoxana and or Q episodes of TNG where it's just sure. like I guess every so often we have to fucking find out what's happening with these idiots and uh, I, I uh, you know in my previous watch throughs of Deep Space Nine have tended not to like those that much but man Wallace Shawn is so much fun to watch and uh, it is an episode where this show is like well what if the story isn't at all about what's going on with the Starfleets on on the station and instead is about like one of these weirdos and I think that's fun Wallace Shawn is so smart and so great that it is incredible to see him play so dumb, <laughs> you know, in, in, in his many roles, in his many film roles which in which he has, you know? Yeah. And, like, to see him play the Nagus here, like, he so capably does this. He's, he's really entertaining and fun. Indeed. Did you like the episode, Adam? The reason I like the episode is Wallace Shawn. Yeah. I guess to a lesser extent, the Armin Shimmerman Quark stuff is great too. But this is this is taking advantage of of the form of Ferengi that we've come to know over the last eight years in this Star Trek universe, which is like just the dumb, cartoonish, you know, bumbling idiot Ferengi. Yeah. And that's fun, but if it means we get an episode a season like that like i would hope that they try to break new ground with them like i i get i continue to maintain i wish they were more like quark than not yeah quark is more interesting than the ferengi absolutely uh ben do you want to see if we have any interesting priority one messages i love priority one messages and i really want to see what we've got priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel Need a supplemental income. Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is of a personal nature. It's from Henoviva, and it is for Plavim. It goes like this. It's supposed to be silk and linen to celebrate year four. And I know I'm supposed to say, go fuck you, <laughs> but I'd rather say, come fuck me evermore. You said no anniversary gifts, so I thought, what's sexier than a P1? Maybe after this ode, you'd say, um, still none? <laughs> <laughs> Having only seen Data as Sherlock and an orgasm in Sub Rosa, and then there is an, a semicolon here, and that seems to be the end of the message. <laughs> Is this a this must be Plavim's wife sending him a, a priority one message? I didn't think it was possible, Ben. Henoviva's <laughs> obviously a great, great woman. Uh, and an incredibly patient one. Yeah. No kidding. Ben, our second priority one message is from Henoviva. <laughs> 
It is for Plavim. You know what's great is that uh, it's not just Plavim spending the money. Like, yeah. Henaviva. Now she's complicit. As, yeah. <laughs> Message goes like this I promise to watch some better episodes with you cuddled on the sofa. Here's a toast to many more years with a glass of Romulan ale. And hope this anniversary message wasn't too much of a fail. <laughs> now, once again, go fuck those rascals and support Team Plavim. Because Henaviva wants to get fucked and made into an awesome meme. <laughs> Henaviva has a, a really cool sex-positive attitude, you know? Next time we do a show in Milwaukee, I hope Henaviva comes out. Yeah, she seems like a fun hang. We should probably make clear a message in the note here. This was two purchased Priority One messages and not just uh, extra characters extended to friend of the show, Plevim Cleveland. So there you have it. <laughs> if, you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to purchase a Priority One message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron where... A personal message is a hundred bucks, and a commercial message is two hundred bucks, and they really help support the production of this show. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Uh, it's hard to pick against Wallace Shawn. <laughs> you know, sometimes you give the junk, drunk Shimoda to a character, but I'm going to give it to the actor this time. The guy, the guy clearly went through. Uh, an epic amount of makeup before every <laughs> every shooting day, and yet after enduring such a thing, was a full like ten out of ten in every scene. The guy's fucking great. Yeah, he really comes right through the makeup, which seems impossible because there's so much of it. <laughs> really impressive work by Mr. Sean here. So that's mine. Uh, who's yours? <sighs> I'm I'm a little torn on on who exactly to award this to, but I think that the right people to award it to is the writers of the episode uh, for something that happens with Nog's character. Because at the beginning of the episode, he's saying, I don't have my essay because Vulcan stole it. And then it is revealed that Nog is illiterate. <laughs> and I feel like, uh, I feel like you can't have those two things be true. Like he, like, what he should say is, hey, fuck you, chief. Nobody has taught me to read yet. So while I work on that, maybe don't assign me essays. Yeah, that's not nice. It's so fucking, like, they're illiteracy shaming this guy. It's not his fault he doesn't know how to read. He grew up in a bad culture. I feel like the first thing that you do when you start a school on a starbase of, of mixed cultures and mixed ages is probably get a sense for where everyone is at, uh, like in terms of math and reading and anything else. Like, you want to level set everyone, right? Why wasn't that done? I guess maybe it's just Keiko's fault. <laughs> maybe yeah, uh, maybe that's who gets my drunk Shimoda. Keiko in absentia. Yeah. yeah. Hope she's having a fun time at that birthday. <laughs> that... That four-week birthday party. They really should have come up with a better explanation than birthday party. Yeah, I mean, a darker explanation would be she needs to take some time. This is not going well. <laughs> I would like that subtext. Darmok, Angela, and Tanagra. 
A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode? Adam, the next episode is season one, episode 11. Vertex. 
An alien criminal from the other side of the wormhole tempts Odo by telling the shapeshifter that he can put the changeling in contact with others like himself. Sure seems like the the B or C story to every episode could be Odo's journey to find people like him. You know? Yeah, I mean... He seems only passively interested in that. Right, he's like primarily... His his primary goal in in most episodes is harass Quark, and then like <laughs> if he gets around to it, find out who he is and where he comes from. His calendar is just two long appointments, like <laughs> that are side by side. Conflict detected. It's, it's so hard to book Odo for a meeting. He's always busy. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to that, Ben. Yeah, let's uh, let's find out if it's going to be a drunk episode. What do you say? Let's do it. Roll them bones. <sighs> number four comes back on the random number generator. Hmm. And uh, that is <laughs> that is not Ella Moraine, Adam. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Thank you for getting that song stuck in my head again. <laughs> uh, I actually got a pretty cool suggestion on Reddit of uh, what if what if each number has a signification, or like <laughs> as we come up with ideas for other shit we can do to each other, we assign them to different numbers. Whatever, uh, whatever keeps it fresh in the pod bedroom, Ben. <laughs> Well, we'll see. Uh, well, that's uh, that's the end of this here episode, Adam. Uh, we should uh, thank Adam Ragusea, who does all kinds of great music for our show, and Dark Materia, who did the original theme for our show. Uh, I got to thank all of the positive commenters over on uh, Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter. You can talk about our show on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, we've got a Facebook group that you can apply for entry to if you so desire that's a great place for fun memes and comments yeah Pretty much every day you could spend your time there mm-hmm. laughing it up and if you're thinking about a negative comment or a comment that's about how good one of us is and how not good the other one is maybe uh, think twice before posting that like what is the point of making somebody feel terrible Maybe uh, maybe they're trying to drive a wedge between us, Ben. <laughs> I don't divide think that's and cool. conquer tactic of Star Trek podcasting. Let me tell you something. If if you were to succeed in dividing us, there would be no greatest gen. I don't think either of us is going to do this show alone. No. Uh, you know what we are going to do together, Adam, is our upcoming Max Fun show, Friendly Fire, with our third co-host, John Roderick. Uh, that'll be coming up... Uh, less than a month from when this episode comes out. That's right. So get excited, folks. I know I am. That is a show we've been working on uh, a lot behind the scenes, and I'm really excited to see that go out. Uh, Doing that show with our friend John Roderick and a friend of the podcast, Rob Schulte, uh, doing the heavy lifting on that one. It's going to be a good time. Uh, So if, if you can't think of anything else, and I sure can't, uh, I think that's it for uh, for today's show. Yeah, I agree, Ben. We'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
in another episode of the greatest generation deep space nine which looks a lot like a butthole <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.